right, hello, and welcome back to Earth Like Heaven. My name is Doug Ressler, and joining me as always is Robbie Sherry, and we are here to help you close the gap between heaven and earth in your life by learning to live like Jesus. So speaking of Jesus, Robbie, we talked last time about the chaos of our world, um, whether that's on a macro level, like what's happening in Israel uh, right now, or it's on a more uh, regional level, like what happened in Maine with the shooter, or it's natural disasters like the hurricane that hit Acapulco, or it's on a personal level between either relationships we have in our lives, or you know, families or marriages might be falling apart, or whatever might be happening there that's chaotic, or even just in our own hearts and the chaos that we live with on a daily basis. I wake up in the morning and immediately, you know, my mind is just sort of a, a, a big chaotic mess of all kinds of stuff, right? As I'm trying to like, just even get into my day. Um, and I don't think that's just me. I don't think I'm the only one who, who like wakes up and all of a sudden these voices, this cacophony of voices starts, you know, like clamoring for my attention in my head. I think that's, as I talk to people, that's a lot of folks. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, we're extremely busy. We're overstimulated. There's a lot of information coming at us and all kinds of, from all kinds of different directions. You can't get away from it like you used to, whether that's because of social media or whatever it might be. You know, it's funny, because, I, because I've traveled enough overseas, uh, I have a lot of great friends around the world. And every morning when I wake up, like, I mean, I'm already behind because right. of the messages that I have from them. I mean, they're on the other side of the world. They're eight or nine hours ahead. So it's been day for them when I've been sleeping. Mm-hmm. And, and now all of a sudden I'm waking up to Facebook messages or WhatsApp messages or uh, emails or whatever, you know, it might be. And it's very tempting, of course, just to sort of like just 24-7 be running around the clock. And But even that would create more chaos in mm-hmm. my life. And I don't want my life to be run in a chaotic way. So I seek to bring dominion to that um, by imposing upon it some kind of order, whether it's Sabbath or these kinds of things that God has laid out for us. And so when we talk about the way of Jesus and we talk about how, how, do, how do Christians respond to the chaos of our lives, the chaos in our world, what, what, what are some initial thoughts as to what kinds of things can we encourage our listeners to be doing in order to begin to intentionally eliminate the chaos, maybe, mm-hmm. or at least bring some kind of order to it? Um, and um, create the ripple effect that we're talking about, the positive right. ripple effect that right. actually goes out and, and actually calms our very chaotic world down. Yeah. It's funny, when, when we talk about chaos and we talk about order, you can't see it from the podcast, but both of us use our hands and mm-hmm. we make these gestures of like lists. Yeah, right, totally. <laughs> you know, we make yeah. these yeah. sort yeah. of, in our minds, order is lists and systematic organization, these sorts of things. And some of the stuff, when you say that, it can seem overwhelming to to bring order to chaos. And I think that can be paralyzing if you just say, go, go bring order now, go. Um, I mean, ask people, bring order to your house. Right. And even that can seem Yeah, my teenagers are overwhelmed when I say, bring order to your room. Yeah, right. I don't know where to start. And I think it's easy to punt on that and go, well, it's just such a, it's just such a big thing. I mean, uh, just you do you kind of thing. That's kind of the mail in, but I think it starts with recognition Mm -hmm. that there is, there is chaos in our lives and that we, we are a part of it. We're not outside of it and pointing at other people. And so, um, I I think it starts with self-discipline. I mean, that's the the key ingredient, I think to any order. (laughs) 
Yeah, well, no, there's no doubt about that. I remember the the famous um, graduation speech, or I think it was a, a graduation speech uh, uh, from like a a, a well known admiral, you know, in the navy, right? Who talked about the most important thing that you know a corpsman could do, or a core woman, core person, whatever they call them now. Mm-hmm. Um, the most important thing for them to do was to make their bed every morning, right? You know, that, like that's like the most important step because you are setting a tone for the rest of your day that I will accomplish something. Right. And, and, and again, you think about just the simple act of making the bed, you're bringing order to chaos, you know, mm-hmm. and that's, that's on a fundamental level, what he was talking about. And, you know, you, you, again, you think about how powerful that is just something, a simple gesture like that. Um, I think take it to take it to a deeper level, like you said, self-awareness, mm-hmm. these kinds of things really important. So once you become self-aware of like just how chaotic your inner world is, which means your, your, your outer world is probably chaotic as well. Cause one thing is in, intimately tied to the next. Um, I think about, again, we talk about the way of Jesus. You're talking about the way that God sets up, uh, for human beings to live that leads to order that leads to flourishing and not just individuals flourishing, but entire communities yes. of people flourishing. Yes. Right. And I think, I think about something like the practice of Sabbath, Right. Absolutely. So interestingly enough, I mean, it's, you know, I don't, and again, you know, I think historically people have, when they read like something like Genesis one and you have this initial, this initial picture of a earth or a world or a universe that is full of chaos. The earth is formless and void, right? Yes. Darkness was on the face of the deep. Yeah. The spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And for the Hebrew people, the waters, that was the Mediterranean Sea. It was, it was this impenetrable, roiling mass of chaos. Mm-hmm. And, and for them, it was very scary. Uh, but they, they weren't like a seafaring people. They right. weren't like, you know, so they weren't like the Phoenicians or anything like that. They didn't have boat. I mean, that, that wasn't really their thing. And so like for them, the sea represents chaos. It represents disorder. It represents, you know, something they cannot control. So the spirit of God hovers over that. And then God begins to lay out this order. Let there be light. Let there be land. Let there be the sun and the moon. Let there be animals. Let there yeah. be plants and the earth and all of these different things, right? And, and as a part of that, on the seventh day, God rests. It's not that that's now separate that, right. That's the culmination of how, the crowning thing that God does to bring order to his world is he rests. Hmm. Yeah. And it's a fascinating thing. And then you think about like human beings and how often do we practice something as basic and fundamental as the Sabbath? We work so hard the other six days of the week, whether it's at our jobs or it's in our families or it's doing the different activities that we're engaged in. We work so hard the other six days of the week. Can we not take one day out of every seven simply to rest in an effort to slow ourselves down in an effort to kind of break the pace that we're trying to set, you know, all of those kinds of things that to me is seems to like a, a real fundamental practice when people are saying, okay, so what do I do with the chaos of my life? like Robbie, like Mm -hmm. how do I even begin to address it? Okay, let's just start here. Take one day out of every seven and don't work. Right. That, which doesn't mean, oh, by the way, you don't do the dishes or something like that. That's not what we're talking about. Or you, or you, or I don't watch my young kids. (laughs) I let them run around naked in the backyard or something like that. Like, that's not what we're talking about. This isn't Lord of the flies that we're trying to create here (laughs) or anything like that. 
we are simply we're simply talking about not doing what you're doing the other six days right. in terms of your vocation or in terms of the activities. Take one day out of every seven and don't have activities with your kids. Like don't don't take them to soccer practice. Right. Don't don't do those things. Take one day out of every seven and slow it down. Which you know doesn't mean you're in bed all day. That's not what we're talking about. We're just talking about <laughs> slowing it down. We're talking about let it be a speed bump. Spend time intentionally on the Lord. Right. worshiping him and praising him and reflecting on all of his goodness to you and let that create an attitude of gratitude in your heart of thankfulness those kinds of things and if you do something like that you begin to see the spillover you're creating now a ripple of order in your life mm-hmm. that hopefully spreads to the rest of your week or Absolutely. something like that yeah well even in the creation narrative in the original hebrew right the genesis 1 is this rhythmic poem yeah right right and i I go back to that when, you know, sometimes my wife and I will do uh, marriage counseling with some young couples mm-hmm. and that question gets asked. And so you say, yeah. not only should you have a Sabbath during the week, you should probably start the day right. in sort of this Sabbath rest of just spend time with God, pray, right. read his word. Right. And we as a people say, I'm, I'm too busy for that. Right. And I always push back a little bit and say, here's the thing, like you... I know what you want. Every weightlifter wants to get stronger. And it's the right. ones who work out daily without a rest right. that plateau and don't seem to get strong. And That's weightlifters right. have figured out part of getting stronger means resting their muscles. That's right. So their muscles can recover and yeah, rebuild and recharge and reload. And yeah. All that kind of stuff. And for That's some exactly reason, right. we yeah. feel that if we're not doing something yeah. that we're falling behind. And this is why... You know, parents are giving up Saturdays and Sundays right. to take their kids to right. the soccer games that, mm-hmm. you know, I'm always just kind of gently saying there's one national team. Right. And there's about 23 spots on right. the national. Then there's the developmental national team and all this. Right. And you talk to professional soccer players and it is amazing the amount of right. kids who they families are broken apart. It doesn't have to be soccer. It can be gold crown basketball, it can be anything, but totally. they, they sacrifice something as simple as a family dinner together because if they don't get junior to the third practice of the day for their extra, extra club team, that somehow their kid's going to fall behind, not going to get the scholarship, won't play in soccer, won't become professional. Right. So we've elevated these interesting values and priorities. So when we talk about chaos and pushing back on it, I always just say, well, I think the first thing to do is identify your priority. What are your highest values? Mm. And if it's not God, and if right. it's not stepping into the man or woman God's called you to be, then already you're starting off behind. Yeah. Already you are. And you're already placing yourself at the mercy of chaos. Right. Right. You're just inviting it into your life. Right. Yeah. And um, that's not know, to say God's against soccer uh, or no, basketball no, no, or anything not. like that, just yeah, yeah. to be clear. No, you're inviting, you're inviting chaos into your life. I mean, I think about, you know, again, uh, I, I go back to, I remember one family, we, we moved into our new home and the family next door, we invited them over for dinner and they came over one day and um, we got to know them a little bit and um, they were telling us, you know, that they'd been married a little over 10 years and um, that no one had ever invited them over for dinner before. And I was like, they haven't invited you over for dinner or as we later found out, it wasn't that they hadn't been invited. It's just they had literally had no time mm. to actually do it. And um, and so, you know, I'm just asking questions, just trying to get to know them, right, you know, and everything. And, like, for whatever reason, like, we just kind of caught them at the perfect time and they had an availability and whatever. 
So they start like mapping out their life for us. And I mean, this guy traveled like 250 days a year. He, um, his wife worked a very high powered corporate job that had her working, you know, 60, 65, 70 hours a week. They had their oldest daughter was in competitive softball. Their son was just starting competitive baseball. Luckily, they had her parents in town to kind of shuttle the kids to practices. I mean, the, the girl was so good at softball, she had like morning practice before school and then practice that evening after school, right? Um, somewhere in there, they were getting their homework done, I guess, on some level. Right. Well, I mean, six months later, of course, we find out that they've been on the verge of divorce and, and, sure. and then they, they sure. filed and all these other things. Why? It's because they had allowed... They, they had been doing everything the world says you're supposed to do. Both of them working great jobs, making great money. Again, their kids in, in, in all the right sort of clubs for their sports activities. And it absolutely blew their family to smithereens. Yeah. It blew them to pieces. And we would talk, I mean, of course, as a pastor, I'm like listening to them describe their life. And I was like, how do you, how do you guys even like function? Right. Like you're two ships passing in the night and like, you know, they're like, well, you know, I mean, and, and again, we found out later when they, you know, when we did find out they were getting divorced, sadly, I remember the, the, seeing the husband out one day and I was talking to him and he became pretty vulnerable to me. And he was like, you know, we've just been running at breakneck speed for so long that we don't really even know each other anymore. And I was like, right. Yeah. Like you, you have again, allowed the way of the world to sort of drive you and look at look at what it's done it's introduced all this chaos now into your world all this chaos into your family this chaos into your marriage and what would have happened or how could it have been different if you had said you know what i'm going to kind of put a a a stake in the ground Mm -hmm. i'm going to keep a sabbath or i'm going to put a stake in the ground and i'm no i'm going to say no to morning practices for my daughter so that we can have breakfast together as a family or whatever it might be right And, and and again there's not like a right or wrong necessarily as much as there is you have to put a stake in the ground somewhere along the way and say, I'm not, I'm not going any further. Right. Otherwise you're just going to be driven before the winds of chaos and who knows where it's going to take you You, at some point. And of course we're saying plant that stake in Jesus, do it his way. Yeah. Stop trying to do it your way, do it his way. And his way involves Sabbath. His way involves daily time with the Lord. His way involves prayer. His way involves, you know, being generous with your time and with your, your talent and with your, with your resources. That's, that's his way, right? Be selfless, be sacrificial, mm-hmm. lay down your life for, for others, right? Those kinds of things. Like these are the things that we do. And as we do these things, what are we doing? We are actually bringing order to the chaos of our world, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, you've been on mission trips, right? Yep. I mean, so give us, what, what was your favorite mission experience and what did you do and why? <laughs> favorite in terms yeah. of most enjoyable yeah, or, or no, favorite most in terms of... Most impactful. I would say, and it's, it's a little backwards, but I, I went on one to Cuba mm-hmm. and I don't think you can go to Cuba anymore as a group. Okay. I think you can personally, because while we were there, the news in Havana was like, President Trump has closed Cuba to oh, gotcha. groups. Sure. I think you can yeah. go as an individual or something like this, but yeah. we took a group from our school. Uh-huh. And the idea was that we were going to um, partner with the local church. We were going to help paint the church. They didn't okay. have you know uh, a lot of resources for that and just kind of equip them with 
what you and I would consider just sort of rudimentary things. And then we were going to uh, play baseball with the local, mm-hmm. you know, young kids and kind of evangelize through like a baseball camp kind mm-hmm. of thing. And as with every mission trip, I think the first thing that, I mean, as the leader, first thing that we do is we take the students' phones. Right. So no kid gets their phone, which is right. hilarious because in Cuba, you can't really use your phone anyway, anyway. Right, I mean, the guy, I mean it's, so, we right. could have just left yeah. their phones with yeah. them, you know, but, uh, and it, the first thing kids realize is how much time they have right? all of a sudden and how enjoyable it is to engage yeah. with one another. Right. And then they start to see the locals and realize, oh, most of them don't have right. phones. Most of them don't have iPads and, you know, laptops and AirPods and all this sort of thing. And so what yeah. they do is they're in community. Right. And it seems like this, this mysterious formula for how are these people so happy and joyful? And it was actually, it's actually pretty simple. It's pretty simple. That's right. And that's, it's always a challenge coming back from a mission trip, I think to, to sort of sustain that. Mm -hmm. But while we're there in, in Cuba, I mean, everybody just moves a little bit slower. The, the, the cars move slower, yeah. the people walk slower, people ride bikes still. Right. We went to a, a farm. It was a, there's right next door to a pineapple farm and we helped help these farmers clear brushes and everything like that. And then eat some of the farm. I mean, original farm to table. This yeah. is just how they live. Right. Totally. Like we yeah. think like, you right. know, this is an exotic restaurant oh, no, no, experience. This is like a thing. Yeah. That's this, exactly right. They it's a marketing scheme. grow their right. food. I know no, that's crazy. It actually happens <laughs> right. around the world. Right. <laughs> and so, I think with most mission trips, people go and they yeah. think I'm going to bring something yep. to these people. Right. And ultimately they go, they gave me so much more. Yeah. And what those people really teach Americans and Westerners tends to be, you know, look at your phone sometime and look at how many hours you spend yep. on the phone per That's day. Right. And most, most of my students, when I ask that, they say they average somewhere between four to six hours per yep. day on their device. Yeah. And lest you think I'm exaggerating, I'd encourage people to look at their own device. And right. if I were to say, I'm just going to give those back to you. I'm just going to give that mm-hmm. that time back to you. I'm going to give 80% of that time back to you. Well, then you ask people, what are you going to do with that time? Right. And in terms of as it, as it relates to chaos, trying to bring that back around, the we think that we're so busy yeah. that we don't have time to Sabbath. We don't have yeah. time to read in God's word. That's we right. don't have time to pray. We don't have time to just sit down that's right. And ask a person sincerely, how are you doing? Tell me about your life. What's That's it right. like to be you right now? Just That's simple right. questions like, what is it like to be you right now? And let people talk to us because that's what we ultimately want is deep relationships. We think we're getting them through social media and these things. Right. And the answer at some level is to create that rhythm that I was mm-hmm. talking about in Genesis yeah. of a life, a habit where you lean into God and into his ways. And the beautiful thing about that is... When your rhythm is, I, I, like, I think a good day starts the night before. Mm. I think going to bed at a good time sets up a good sure. next day. So yeah. people go, I hope tomorrow's a good day. Well, right. here's an idea. Just go to bed a little bit earlier right. and wake up a little bit earlier. And I tell people all the time, like, my goal is always three socks, three pairs of socks per day. Have mm-hmm. I told you that? No. Uh-uh. Yeah, three sock day. A three pair of sock day is like a great day for me because that means that I've gone to bed early. I've gotten up and I wear a certain kind of sock to exercise. Okay. And when I exercise, that's the self-discipline of taking care of my body. 
And then I put on my work socks because I wear a tie to work. Uh-huh. And so I can't wear my exercise certain, to work. Certain right? kind of socks that you wear to work. I have, yeah, the work socks that are, you know, socks, don't yeah. look weird with slacks and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Uh-huh. And usually at the end of the work day, you come home. And they're again, not white socks? They're, they're not white socks. socks. No, no, no. My wife would kill me. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> but you come home from work and you want, all you want to do is sit on the couch and basically do nothing and be yeah. pandered to. And at that time, I know that if I change my socks one more time into play socks, basically activity socks, wow. something where I'm going to do something you beyond are, work, yeah. that that rhythm for me is what brings brings order. I know that's weird, but it's sort of these areas of discipline in my life that push back (laughs) chaos. (laughs) But I'm, I, it's, it's just something that I've, I've found that, that works at a fundamental level. It's incorporating rhythms and discipline and it's helped me to create order. Everybody has to figure that out on some level for themselves, right? It's customizable. Uh, So now let's pull back like globally, right? And let's pull back like around the world and let's pull back the answer is you socks. The, Just get everybody. The answer socks is and three pairs of socks. World peace. Go. Right world there. Peace, that's right. Robbie's answer to world <laughs> peace. Um, but what you're ultimately talking about really is in some level that, I mean, the, 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 the three sock day for you or whatever is, is, is a, a sort of a metaphor on some level for a complete day. Yes. A fulfilled day, mm-hmm. a day where you had an abundance, mm-hmm. right? You, you were able to do now. Um, and when you don't have those three sock days, there's a, there's a sense of probably loss. There's a sense of yep. which like I didn't complete. Right. So now you, you sort of transfer that and you think about like, think about the number of people around the world for whom, like you were saying, like, you know, get like a little bit more sleep, but what about the number of people around the world for whom sleep is elusive? Right. Because they're, maybe they're, they're sick and they have some kind of disease that makes like eight hours of sleep impossible. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they are in a war-torn area where, um, where like at night there's bombs going off all around them and it's impossible to sleep. Or sure. maybe they're hungry because they don't have enough food and so they're not able to sleep. And you think about what that does to the human person when we are denied certain uh, fundamental things that are necessary for human flourishing, right? Right. Whether it's sleep or it's food, you know, we were in South Sudan a couple months ago and one of the, one of the major challenges in the area of South Sudan where we were was food security, right? It's, it's malnutrition. And I mean, when we first went there, I mean, the number of uh, percentage of kids that were malnourished in this community was so high, so significant. And and interestingly enough, the, 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 the UN and other organizations that had come in to try and solve the um, malnutrition problem had, had given them cassava, which is this sort of like starchy, staple, whatever vegetable yeah. for them to plant and to grow. It's easy. It's cheap. It's all these other things. The problem is it's toxic. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. You eat enough of it over time, it's, it's poisonous, huh. essentially. Yeah. And that's what they're like promoting. Now, we've been talking to local South Sudanese farmers who have figured out other ways. And this one particular farmer who works for us now, his name is Taban Patrick, brilliant, brilliant young South Sudanese man. He went out, he did the research, figured out what actually grows really well in the area where he is at. And he uh-huh. has created an entire program called Faith Gardens, Food Always in the Home. Faith Gardens. He's teaching his people how to plant sweet potatoes and eggplant right, and... Right. Um, you know, beans and all kinds of different things. They are literally ripping out their cassava plants and burning them. Mm-hmm. 
and putting in all of this new, all these new vegetables. There's variety. There is, there's, you know, he teaches them how to, you should always be harvesting. You should always be planting. You should always be sowing. You should always let part of it lay fallow for the next season. And you should always have something that you're selling. Right. And so they're not only now creating food security for themselves, they're actually creating food security for their community. Mm-hmm. So you can now, as you start to see the dominion that we're talking about, bringing order to chaos, you're talking about, here's a Christian man, Taban Patrick, who has figured out how to create order to an otherwise chaotic situation where there is starvation and malnutrition and all these different things. And the powers, quote unquote, that be, have introduced a food source that is over time toxic to the human body, (laughs) which makes so little sense to me, Mm -hmm. except that when I asked Taban about it, and this is Taban's read on it, maybe you agree with him, maybe people don't agree with him, but this is Taban's read on it. He's like, well, I'll tell you why they do it. It keeps us dependent. Hmm. He's like, they really don't want us to be independent. Right. Because as soon as someone is independent of you, then you no longer have power over them. And it's really important for the powers that be in this case to continue to have power over the local population so they can continue to get the resources. This is a resource. South Sudan's like a resource-rich country, but it's the poorest country in the world. Right. Why is that? Well, it's because the powers that be hmm. have manipulated things in such a way that they can continue to extract the resources that they need, whether it's foreign powers or, or even the president of South Sudan is, I mean, he's corrupt beyond belief. And um, his own people are starving. He's a multi-billionaire, right? I mean, because he steals. I mean, he just exploits his people. Again, guys like Taban have said, okay, you know, from the ground up, let's just start with me. And then let's start with my friends and family. And then let's start with our community. And now what we're doing, of course, in that area is for every single church planter we're sending out in that area, the first thing they do is plant a faith garden. That's awesome. And all of a sudden you're seeing like these entire communities like grow and food security is coming, order is coming to chaos. So, yeah. you know, when we think about it on a micro level, like personal level, I'm going to have like a three sock day and that's going to be order to chaos. And that's really important, actually. Well, I, I, I mean, we kind of poke, fun at, poke right. fun at you, but I mean, it's, that's really important. Whatever, whatever you need, everybody has to discern. Mm-hmm. What, what is it I need to really flourish in this world? And right. everybody has a little bit of a different rhythm that way. There's some consistent things. Every human being needs seven to eight hours of sleep a night. Every human being needs food security. Every human being needs exercise. Every human being needs certain things, right? Yep. But, but everybody kind of has a little bit of a different rhythm to it as well. But that micro level thing can also spread out and become a macro level thing because it's not just you that needs that. It's the people around you that need that. Right. And, and that's where I think you get this like ripple effect mm-hmm. throughout the world. You know, someone was asking me the other day about the conflict over in the Middle East and about, um, you know, Doug, what do you think the answer is? <laughs> there is no answer, right? I mean, not, right. not in that sense. There's nothing easy that someone could do. If there was, we would have done it a long time ago. And I said, well, here's what I know. If you look throughout history, and again, the way of Jesus, and you say, okay, at a macro level, when you're talking about a conflict on, on that kind of level, that is generations old and all of these different things. How do you break the cycle, right? The only way you break the cycle, you can't impose order from the outside. It will always be resisted. It's got to come from the inside. And that's exactly how it's happened when you look throughout history. So, you know, India was a chaotic system, a 
caste system that kept certain people at the top and certain people at the bottom. And, and, and there was a revolution that took place led by Mahatma Gandhi, who himself said he put into practice the principles of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it was nonviolent, and it completely revolutionized this country. You think of Nelson Mandela, yep. who was a Christian, who comes out of prison, and he's elected president of South Africa, and there's a bloodless revolution that takes place in, in what otherwise would have been a, a massive civil war. But because he followed in the way of Jesus and offered forgiveness and reconciliation, he and Desmond Tutu, rather than retribution and vengeance, you had peace. You had now, not perfection, we all know that, we all get that, but there was order to this otherwise very chaotic, very volatile situation in our own country of Martin Luther King Jr., mm-hmm. who, again, following in the way of Jesus, pushes back against an unjust, chaotic system that absolutely discriminated against and kept African Americans in some level of servitude, subject to you know all kinds of injustices, all these different things, and King pushes back not using the way of the world, but the way of Jesus. And, and he's able to, again, set in motion events that eventually transform a country and are continuing to transform our country on mm-hmm. some level, because yeah. that, that work obviously is not complete. It's the same thing over in the Middle East. At some level, this, this cycle of eye for eye, tooth for tooth, right, that kind of thing, that cycle of Violence with violence with violence with violence with violence with violence, like all of that kind of stuff. On some level, that's got to end, but it can only end when individuals within the system stand up Rise and up, say, yeah. we're going to do it different. You know, Pope John Paul II, before he became Pope John Paul II, was a cardinal in Poland mm-hmm. and was one of the leaders in the Solidarity Movement that brought down the Soviet Union. He didn't do it with tanks and guns and weapons. He did it through following the way of Jesus, nonviolent protest. And I remember seeing an interview with him one time where, you know, he was challenged on his, you know, supposedly naivete when it came to the world, you know. And I remember him, I remember Pope John Paul II, of all people, could have just, like, laughed in this guy's face, Right. right, that was interviewing him, but instead just told a story about the Solidarity Movement. And, and just said, this is not naive. It's, again, it's, it's just been found difficult and left untried, mm-hmm. this way yeah. of Jesus, when we talk about order to chaos. I think that's, that's good. I can get overwhelmed personally if I'm, if I'm thinking, i got to be Gandhi, i right. got to be King, totally. right, right. i got to be Tutu, or I've got to be um, Nelson Mandela. But principally, I think what you're saying is, it, it does start with self. It starts right in the home. And if, if we're overwhelmed by the chaos in the world, we can be paralyzed. But maybe the first step is just overcoming the chaos in our own self-being and then our family and trust that as we do that, the Lord's going to bring into our lives other opportunities. And it might just be sharing your pushing back chaos with your neighbor. And then pretty soon you're your cul-de-sac or your neighborhood or your, the school where your kids go or something like this becomes more ordered in that. And so, and Oh, by the way, like Nelson Mandela didn't set out to be Nelson Mandela. That's right. That's right. He just was doing exactly what you're talking about. I'm just going to be an agent of God's order in a chaotic world Mm -hmm. of apartheid. 
Gandhi didn't set out to be Gandhi. He just said, I'm going to be an agent of order in this chaotic world of, you know, Hindu caste system and all these other things, right? right. M- Mother Teresa didn't set out to be Mother Teresa. She just wanted to love the poor in Calcutta. Yeah. You know, I mean, go back through any great Christian leader who has over the long haul made a huge impact on the lives of, you know, whether it's the lives of those around them or it's, you know, big multinational global corporations or global entities or whatever it might be, whatever the impact that they've made, whether it's local or global or somewhere in between, they didn't set out to do that. Most of them, they just set out to be what you're talking about. I'm just going to, I've recognized this in myself and now I'm going to go out and I'm going to influence as many people as I can. And at the end of the day, I'm going to let God determine how wide that influence spreads. Mm. Like, I don't have to worry about that. Right. You know, Martin Luther King Jr. did not set out to be the leader of the civil rights movement. He was sort of thrust into that position as he took each individual step along the way. And of course, God gifted him amazingly. And, uh, you know, that's why we, you know, on some level admire him, obviously, to this day. We have statues of him and those kinds of things. And we quote his words and all those other things because of the way God had gifted him. But he didn't like set out to do that. It was not his goal. His goal was simply, this is chaos. Right. This idea that we're taking a whole race of people, and because of their ethnicity, not allowing them to vote, not allowing them to have certain jobs, they have to drink at different drinking fountains and use different bathrooms. Like, this is nonsense. Mm. This is not part of the kingdom of God. Right. This is chaos. The kingdom of God wants to bring, God wants to bring order through this, and I'm going to be God's agent yeah. in whatever way he wants to use me. And of course, then God elevates him to the position that he did. You know, so that's really, I think, what this is all about. And, and I think in that way, and we'll close with this, hopefully not intimidating. Hopefully it's just about taking a deep breath and saying, let me look in the mirror. Right. And let's start there. Let's start with that man or woman looking back at me. And then I'm going to look around my home and I'm going to start with my spouse or my children or my parents and seeing how I can serve and love them and seek to bring order, you know, in the name of Jesus to their lives. And then I'm going to look beyond that to my school or my workplace or my community. And how do I do that? And shoot, man, if you're, if you're doing those things, uh, then you have no idea the influence and the the impact that you're making. And, and I just, I trust God with the rest on some level that may sound naive on some level. Again, I've been accused of being naive in that way, but I don't think so. I think it really does start with every individual taking responsibility for themselves and for those around them um, to follow, again, the way of Jesus. I think if we do that, we'll see the order of God really kind of come into this world. And thanks, as always, Robbie, for the conversation. And to Jake and Billy, our guys behind the glass, making it sound good. Please keep listening as we dive deeper into what it means to follow Jesus. uh, When we're talking about some of these big, big, huge issues, we'd love your comments. We'd love your reviews on whatever platform you choose to listen to your podcast. Subscribe to stay tuned as we uh, release more episodes in the weeks ahead. We'll talk to you next time.